Asmi, not the end chronicles. Chapter twenty-three. The house full of children made me forget about my earlier hesitation in staying at my Didi's place. Lovely was the closest in age to Prince, and she was so excited to see my tiny Prince that it was amazing to watch her admiration. She was happy, curious, and a lovely child, really. Asta couldn't hold her back when she insisted on carrying Prince in her arms. Sulekha Ate told her to get her papa to see the baby. Only that idea stopped her from literally snatching away Prince. All excited, she dragged Anand and insisted that he should hold the baby. Luckily, Prince did not fuss when Anand took him on his lap, but tamping down Lovely's excitement was making him nervous. I could see. He complimented on Prince's cute looks, and I politely thanked him. That is all we talked. He then excused himself with Lovely, saying she needs to calm down. Bhai and Didi left for my uncle's place. Ideally, I should have gone, but it would be tiring for Prince, so Didi suggested, and I agreed to stay back. In the afternoon, when I was in the kitchen making Prince's porridge, I heard a loud clank. I knew Lovely was playing in the living area, but I also knew Anand was watching over her, so I ignored the noise. But Lovely, Lovely, I heard Anand's terror-filled voice, and I ran out. Anand was in tears, holding Lovely in his arms while her tiny palms were bleeding. She was crying out helplessly. I couldn't think for a moment, though I wanted to help. The sight just froze me into a state of helplessness. Lovely must have broken the glass accidentally. Suddenly, I alerted my senses and opened the kitchen sink tap, and I realized Anand was rushing toward the kitchen, hurriedly wiping his tears to his t-shirt sleeve. He washed Lovely's tiny hands in the water. The cut was not so deep, but the burning sensation underwater made her cry again. Sorry, sorry, Lovely. I'm so sorry. Please, Lovely, it's okay. Okay, Papa, sorry. He kept talking to distract her from crying, but to no avail. I offered him a clean kitchen cloth from one of the drawers, but he kept staring at me, almost about to cry himself. I held the cloth around Lovely's hand carefully, dabbing it lightly, but Lovely was howling louder this time. I looked at Anand as if to apologize for making her cry, but I saw only similar guilt there. He held the cloth around Lovely's palm while I looked around in the cabinets to find turmeric. When I plopped the transparent jar on the platform, Lovely's eyes dazzled with surprise seeing the yellow color. And when I sprinkled some of the bright powder on her tiny palms, she thought it was some game. She stopped sobbing. I wrapped the cloth again over her palm loosely and said, "Hold this for her. She may drop it." Hmm. Anand nodded. And like an obedient child, he held it lightly, taking care not to hurt her. I carried on with my porridge making, and he quietly left. The next day, we went to attend the third day ritual for my granny. It was a condolence meeting. I was nervous to see all my relatives. They were supposed to offer condolence, sit for some time in silence, meet the bereaved family, and move on. But they were not going to let this opportunity pass without torturing me. And as usual. I was going to let them. Prince was getting restless by noon, so when Bhai offered to drop me back on his way to his office, I took it. Late in the afternoon, I reached Didi's house with Prince literally howling in my arms. 
Anant was on the sofa working on his laptop. Prince was crying bitterly. I wanted to ask about Lovely's palm but didn't. I had settled on the single seat of the sofa struggling to calm my troubled baby. I saw Sangeeta bai rushing out of the kitchen. I have made soft khichdi for him. Shall I get it? she asked. No, he has had it there. Uh, he will have banana blended in milk. I said, "Shall I grate it?" Sangeeta bai suggested. Uh, no, it will have to be blended or else he throws up. I explained, "But I cannot use the blender," she said apologetically. Offering prince to her, I said, "Hold him, I'll be back in a jiffy." Prince perhaps was more tired than hungry. He kept on crying louder and louder, wriggling in her arms. She tried to shout him down by her loud singing, but he could feel the restlessness in her confused and scary voice and refused to keep quiet. While I was blending the banana, I heard Anant trying to make baby talks with Prince. I was very sure none of it would work on my restless Prince. He was quite a difficult baby to raise. Perhaps my state of mind during pregnancy had to do something with it. I always thought I was pleasantly surprised to see him quietly resting his head on Anand's shoulder while he was taking a walk in the living room. I ordered Sangeeta bai to get Prince from Anand and put him on my lap. Both of us together managed to feed him the milkshake. She then left to take out dried clothes from the rack on the terrace, leaving me and Anand alone in this awkward silence. I settled on the sofa holding Prince in a standing position in my arms, patting his back for the burp. To break the silence, I asked Lovely to mean how was she she's fine she's sleeping with baba he answered i did not even thank you for yesterday i got really nervous looking at her bleeding hands thank you he added you don't have to mention it really i didn't do much i shrugged thank you for staying over dipali and mom would have been worried if you had not come and sorry for losing my temper on the phone that day i didn't mean to blackmail you like that He blurted out nervously. I came only for Atya. If you had heartlessly moved out of here taking away Lovely, I know how she would have felt. I respect her feelings. I know how she feels for her family. I said maybe a little angrily, but I only meant to sound matter of fact. This means I was the reason you avoided to come here. He maintained his tone, confident as though proud of the fact that he could read my intentions. Yes, I can see the sadness, helplessness and pity in Atya's eyes whenever she looks at me. It is easier to put my sufferings behind, but I feel hurt to see it reflect in Didi's and Atya's eyes. I feel a sense of guilt when looking at me makes him feel sad, and that is why I avoid facing them. I did not come because you blackmailed. Your getting angry on me does not make sense at all. You don't have any right to. I said angrily. To my surprise he did not defend himself taking the slashing as well deserved he just lowered his gaze pale flushed face lips agape and narrowing his gaze he looked at me and shook his head sort of resignedly I know I'm sorry he said as he quietly walked out of the room Ajji's death the unpleasant visit to my uncle's place to activate prince's restlessness also the running of old bitter memories in the back of my mind If my emotions ran high in situations like this, how was it my fault? I thought defiantly. To avoid such disaster, such outburst, I had planned to stay at my uncle's place. Now, how was I supposed to face Anand? How could I possibly explain that while I was sorry, I lashed out on him, I was also angry with him. The whole day as well as the next half day, he kept out of my way. 
When he came back from work the next day, he tried clearly to escape to his room, but Bhai made him sit. We were all settled in the living room leisurely. Didi was reading out a story to my nephew, Rishabh. He said something like, "I wish I could be a dwarf." Didi scolded him. Don't ask such things, Rishabh. The Thastu Devtas, angel gods who grant wishes, are constantly around us to say Thastu. So be it. Who Thastu Devta, Granny? Rishabh asked Atya as she too quietly took a seat around us. Bhai looked at his mother and asked her, "Ma, what is it about the Thastu Devta used to teach us when we were young?" Atya said, "It is what my elders taught me." They used to say one should not complain or utter any words indicating deprivation or say vile things. One should never curse his possessions or say I don't have this or that or that I am so unlucky or miserable. The Tathastu Devta is always around watching over us and whenever we say inauspicious things they say Tathastu blessing us with whatever we have expressed. If we always utter only auspicious and good thoughts, the Tathastu Devta blesses us, establishing our positive thoughts. Bhai continued, "The working basis of this principle can be understood thus: the power of word or thought can be used in love or hate, both. The outcome will be equal and opposite in nature. One then has to face the outcome that will correspond to the intention. Think of love and observe all the changes you feel in your body." We feel warmth and compassing within, light that indicates life in every living being. As against this, think of hate and observe all the changes that occur in your body, and how it reflects in the form of expression on your face. Feelings of aversion leading you to be cold, the coldness emerging out of reduced light. Light reduced will mean darkness. Darkness indicating no movement. No movement indicating death. Without exception, every body displays these changes. Now tell me, can you look at peace if you are thinking of hate? He asked. I interfered a little restlessly. But, boy, aren't we justified in hating someone as that person has hurt us and intentionally so? I thought I noticed from my peripheral view that Anand flinched as if I had meant it for him. I called him boy. I just realized, but I never called Anand so. When he too was elder to me by about eight years, he must have assumed the person I just mentioned I felt justified in hating must have been him. Bhai had answers for everything. He explained, but the feeling of hatred that you are nurturing is hurting you even more. It is harming you like slow poison, as it is becoming a kind of burden affecting your health. If it gets difficult to forgive someone who has misunderstood you or taken away something from you, then try to think this way. What has he taken away from me? Whatever has been taken away from me is something of my past. I still have my present, my future, my life. I pointed out softly and sadly, almost like talking to myself. What do you make of an aimless present and an indefinite future? Bhai said in a very understanding tone. It is easier to forgive a person, but difficult to forgive your past. Ironically, though. The later is more important for moving ahead in life. The moment Bhai stopped, Rishab interrupted with a question, and the conversation got distracted. Bhai patted Rishab on his cheek affectionately and answered his question. Every one of us was quiet. All of us staring at Bhai, expecting him to go on. Realizing he had finished what he had to say, we looked away. 
one by one taking in soaking in the facts he had put across so clearly anant and i happened to look at each other our eyes wanting to talk it was an awkwardly stretched moment i had to force myself to look away i could feel even he tried hard to stop this long stare we dispersed all of us in grave thoughts asmi not the end chronicles by anita sj to be continued